and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to top six Heart of Midlothian. That's all I've got, Mark. Oh, we're slipping, aren't we? We've been <laughs> we've been reserve league cup winners. We've been Scottish Cup semi finalists, which we still are. But but now we're just top six Heart of Midlothian. Is it going to be like that today? Is it? It's probably going to be like that for the rest of the season. Uh, but, but we we certainly can't drop below that, regardless of how many yeah, points. success, great <laughs> success. <laughs> we have earned that top six place, and no matter if two teams below us could end up having more points, they will not overtake us. Um, welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel. Now, at the end of last week's show, Mark offered me two points. Deal, deal or no deal, <laughs> two, two points, and you said no. Mulligan, can I, can, I, can I try that again? So, yeah, Mark did say, would you take two points from Hart's next two <laughs> matches? And I boldly said, of course not. Outrageous. Maybe if you'd offered me three, I would have thought about it. But I'd never take two. And, of course, Hearts ended with zero. <sighs> so, this week, we shall talk about the two games. Because, despite the zero points, there's a lot to talk about. And they're very contrasting matches, I think. Again, despite the fact that, in the end, it were they were just two defeats. Um, we're going to have a little bit different. Something a little bit more light in the middle. Uh, it was Mark's birthday at the weekend. Happy birthday. Uh, belated happy birthday, Mark. Thank you, sir, and thank you, Hearts, for the present. Did you get a present? Did a fuck. <laughs> Excuse the French. That's the first time I've dropped the F-bomb, and I hope it's not explicit. They gave me that. They gave me hee-haw. I'm sorry. Um, Everyone listening that thinks I don't swear bad words, that was, has slipped out. I'm sorry. An F-bomb already. Oh, no. I know. It's so early as well. That might actually get oh, caught. Um, so, <laughs> so we will talk about um, birthdays and how hearts have maybe affected people on their birthday, be that positive or negative. And then we will look ahead to... I guess we've, we've said this about so many games recently, a season-defining game as Hearts play Inverness Cali Thistle in the Scottish Cup semi-final. So first up, Hearts travelled to Ibrox last midweek, um, a game and a fixture which Hearts do not have much in the way of luck in recently. Not much to show from recent visits there, and I don't think many fans travelled to Govan expecting to get much of a result. Um, Craig Levine, probably no surprising, went with a very defensive team, effectively a back five, really. Craig Whiting was given the lone role up front. Of course, Uche Iqpiezu was not ready to play it following his head knock against Aberdeen. And this is a weird one because I went there expecting zero points and maybe not expecting much, but I was very, very disappointed with how Hearts played. They were absolutely battered and... Mark, it was probably lucky that it took Rangers 16 minutes to score. They had the ball in the back of the net earlier, which was disallowed. They went 2-0 up in the 21st minute. It was well-deserved, to be honest. Hearts were getting absolutely torn to shreds. And it was at this point in the game that I looked at the stats, because I was like, we've we've barely had the ball. And at that point, midway through the first half, 2-0 down, Hearts had 17% possession. They had everyone behind the ball... And despite having everyone behind the ball, couldn't get near a Rangers player. Now, it's it's funny because, as I said, I went there with with no expectations, but that was just dismal. That was as, that first half especially was as 
bad has it been this season? I'm sitting looking at the team and I'm thinking to myself, next season, how many of those would probably be certain starters? And I've only come up with three out of those, the 11, and that's okay. pretty damning. I'll, I'll guess. So certain starters at the 11 against Rangers. Um, I would say, and is this in your opinion as opposed to who you think? Yeah, for, for, for next season. Okay. Uh, I think there's only three that, that are, will be first names on the team sheet next season. There's two that are, I think are hard not to, to pick out with Suter and Haring. That's two, and who's the other one? Um, third is different because I would say Jume if he was there, but Jume might not well, I've be got there. Him, I, yeah, I've got him away, so he's not one of them. Um, probably say Claire. Yeah, that's that's my three. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I mean, better depends on how he starts the season because mm-hmm. you don't start him next season if he's playing the way he is. Because yeah. I'm not saying he's a liability, but we can do better if he's if he is the way he was before his injury. Then fine, but um, hopefully a preseason can sort that. I think there's only three of the eleven um, that started against Rangers that, that I would say would be uh, key uh, to, to the team next season. Uh, at present, this is an interesting one for me because I can't remember the last time I watched a Hearts game highlights of, and I didn't know the result. And in a way, it was it wasn't exciting. I wouldn't use that word because it was Rangers away. <laughs> And, I mean, few and far between. Alan Johnson's hat-trick, I remember being in the away end. Mm-hmm. I remember commentating on maybe two. Um, the game that we'd already got Champions League spot, so it didn't matter, and we lost. So it's, it's not a happy hunting ground. But I had a, I had a Serie A game that afternoon that was commentating on uh, Genoa against Inter. And then I was straight into studio to record the Caps Off baseball show for BT Sport in the UK. So I kind of thought to myself, I know that you'll message me. Um, and I know my friends who are Rangers fans will message me as well. So um, <laughs> I actually did something that was very therapeutic. I turned my phone off. Oh, I thought okay. I thought I thought I sawed it. I'm, I'm going to turn it off and I'm not going to turn it on. <laughs> if something had happened at home, I was screwed. Um, but I just I thought there's no way of avoiding the, the, the score unless I, I kind of take these measures. So I settled down to watch sports scene in baby prison with my daughter, Ava Grace, um, in the hope that something good might happen. And look, the highlights were brief, but the first highlight was, was like two two minutes, Rangers attack, then five minutes, Rangers attack, then seven minutes, and I thought, oh, it's going to be one of these days, if that's all they're showing. And any time they showed Hearts starting with the ball, I got excited, and then Hearts gave possession away, and it was <laughs> a Rangers goal, Jermaine Defoe. It was woeful. I mean... That's all I saw. Again, if we lose, I've got no interest in going back and watching the game again. So you commentated on it. I've only seen the highlights, and it was over pretty quick. My, my enthusiasm prior to watching those highlights, not my excitement, but my enthusiasm, was quickly doused. Uh, two goals, Connor Goldson, I mean, defensively, I don't know what we were doing, and then Arfield with the third. What a time that was to get Rangers as well, with no Morelos and... Um, no holiday at left back, and I know Kent played five games oh, without a win. Horrible. Five games without a win as well. And it, th- this WhatsApp group that I tell you about with my friends that are Hearts and Rangers and Celtic fans, and and the boys and the Rangers, um, the Rangers fans among them are saying, "Look, I, I, I don't know how we're going to score. I don't, if if we get over half halfway, we're we're doing well. We're just playing that poorly." Um, and that was on the back of the the two one at Celtic, which they were better. The 1-1 against Kilmarnock, they were, nah, Aberdeen, they were horrible in the Scottish Cup. So they didn't go into that game full of confidence as well. 
my God, heart, hearts are the gift that keeps on giving. Do you need help? It should be one of these commercials over here. <laughs> um, do you need help? Do you need a boost to your confidence? Let me provide you with 11 players in a green jersey who can help. No, it's sad but true. And and, and it, is, it is a ground. I mean, in the last 15 years, hearts have won there twice. And only one of those um, was in the top flight. Um, and I think it's the last 23 years, they've only won there three times. So uh, I, I think that's right for the last uh, 23. But anyway, definitely for the last 15. And Craig Levine has struggled against Celtic and Rangers, in particular against Rangers, his entire Hearts managerial career over two spells. I think it's 24 games against Rangers as Hearts manager. He's lost 20. Um, he'd drawn three and he's won just one. And that did come at Ibrox back in May 2004. However... It was against the Rangers side who had nothing to play for, and it was a bit of a dead rubber of a game. I think you might remember Alan Hutton handed Joe Hamill the winning goal that that yeah, evening. That's right. Um, so it's not been a, a game that has been good for Hearts, it's been good for Craig Levine. But the way we went into it, and it's funny, the Rangers media guy said to me after the game, they're like, I can't believe it. I said, your gaffer's the only one who can't figure us out. It's like it, we, we, everyone else finds it so easy to play and defend against us and, you know, hearts make us make us look like Barcelona. <laughs> and that's what it was like. You thought, you'd thought think we were playing this absolutely formidable force, a team that's going to absolutely tear us apart. We played with everyone behind the ball. It was like when we went to Celtic Park early in the season and we got destroyed and Craig Levine just said after the game, don't mind my players, it's all in my... I think he said, I think his quote was, what happened today, Craig? And he said, the manager's an idiot. And he basically played with everyone behind the ball, had no faith in them to do anything in the game, and they got destroyed. And he said that, you know, it was his fault. He didn't actually have enough confidence in his players. And it was a similar story. I mean, everyone played behind the ball. And his his interview after the game was quite worrying. I stayed back and listened to it. I've never heard it. You could hear it in his voice. He sounded almost, like, defeated, broken. He, he didn't have any kind of banter about it and kind of mumbled his way through a couple of sentences. And one of the things he said was... Um, couple of things I thought was quite damning. One was that maybe um, I just expect more than what they're actually able to give. And the other thing was that they mistook having everyone behind the ball for actual defending. That first one's interesting. Um, and I can't, I, I'm, I've not got his quote in front of me, so I'm not maybe saying it word for word, but effectively... No, you're, 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 you're paraphrasing, though, and it's interesting because he, he's, is he admitting there that he, he doesn't fully know what his players are capable of doing? And how good they are, or how bad they are, or, or whatever, because they were timid. They were like a dog that lies um, on his back and asks just to be tickled. I mean, it, it's just frustrating, Laurie. What a chance that was to have a go. If we lose three 0 at Ibrox but have a go, it's it's not easy to take, but it's a lot easier to take than just going through there lying down and 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 getting thumped. That's the worst thing I think. Is I was saying that I was like I expected to get nothing out of this game. But I didn't expect to just have everyone behind the ball. And the thing is, I mean, John Daly, when he was in charge just after Ian Cathro left at the start of last season, Hearts, the last result of any kind they got at Ibrox was a nil-nil. And he did that, to be fair to him. He went there and he just got everyone behind the ball and defended. But they did it very well. They completely stifled Rangers that game. They... Here's, an, here, here's an analogy for you about that Hearts performance, okay? Mm -hmm. You're single, male or female. Right, and you go into a club and you see someone you really like. Okay, you get two options. One, you can go up to them, possibly make a fool of yourself, but at least they know you're there and they know you exist. Or two, you can sit in the corner, the pint of 
beer or a Campari and soda or whatever and just look at a, look from afar and admire. That's what hearts were like. They were never, never going to have a chance. But that's what they chose to do. And that's not good enough. Basically... You probably you you're gonna go out to you're gonna go out and you, it's unlikely you'll pull, but you definitely won't pull if you don't even speak to someone. Correct, so, yeah. exactly. Take take the knockback in Have the hope go, that uh, you know what on that one chance that your patter might actually be <laughs> decent enough to attract the opposite sex, but don't just sit in the corner dreaming about what might have been, but knowing you've got absolutely no chance because they don't even know that you're even there. That's the analogy for that one. And a third option is don't talk to the girl you really like, but think, well, actually, maybe that one over there, who's maybe not quite as nice, but I could get lucky with, maybe I'll get a result out of that one. But you and... didn't get anything. You just <laughs> went was... home at 11 o'clock. You phoned your Uber. <laughs> it was five minutes late. It finally arrived, and there was nothing. And then you spent the night when you got home thinking, I wish I'd made more of that. Oh, well, there'll be other nights. No, there won't! <laughs> Well, what I was going to say was the, the continuation of the analogy is that the the munter in the corner that maybe we'll just try a look with because we got knocked back by the first one leads us on to the Edinburgh Derby. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Where are we going with this? <laughs> okay, the Edinburgh Derby. And I shouldn't really refer to oh. him referred to him as the munter in the corner because no we we were the munter in the corner we are basically that's <laughs> okay so hearts went into the Edinburgh derby now the thing is we kind of the rangers one was a bad result it was a bad performance but i guess at the end of it it's a case of and i think Levine said it will be better against hibs and a lot of fans said look let's just draw a line under it it was it was rubbish we expected zero points we got zero points the big one is saturday against hibs only one point between the two sides, you know, a lot on the line. And with a semi-final coming up, what you really want, and with season ticket sales, um, you know, with season tickets on sale at the moment, what you want is a big derby win. It doesn't matter that we've been very iffy of late, to say the least. Beat Hibs at Tynecastle, extend our lead over them, go into the semi-final. It does change the mood dramatically. So it was an important game. And, and I mentioned to a few people before the game that Craig Levine, for all his flaws, um, in the derby, he's... He's done very well as a player and as a manager, and especially at Tynecastle. He had 29 derbies at Tynecastle prior to this one, and he'd only ever lost once, and that was as a player. So there was a bit of optimism again. You know, it's a derby, and Hearts have generally done well in this one. Five changes, so Shocknessy, Godinho, Bozanich, Brandon, Whiten all out. Uh, Michael Smith, Ollie Lee, Uchi Piezu, Jake Mulraney, and I suppose maybe the biggest surprise, Bobby Burns all into the starting 11. So, you know, formation-wise, it was a kind of 4-2-3-1, if we want to call it that. But I think, first of all, before we get into the game, Mark, Bobby Burns coming in, was it a surprise to you? Yeah, it was a surprise, but um, I'm sure you'll help remind me of the, the the message I sent you once we got the team, saying, do you know what? I don't mind that team. Mm -hmm. It allowed Jake Mulraney to push further forward because I didn't want him at left back. Bobby Burns has played there before. He's got experience with Livingston. So it just seems rather surprising that you throw him in for a game like this. If I don't think it was a gamble, because I think he did well. Mm -hmm. But surely playing him against Rangers or involving him prior to that, because he's, he's come from absolutely nowhere. And we've been crying out for a left back. So I was surprised, but I thought he did well. But if it was in any way perceived as a gamble, then there were plentiful opportunities prior to the Hibs game to try him out there. 
Yeah, and in terms of Bobby Burns, I mean, he's still only 19. He turns 20 later this year. But he's a player who played um, almost 40 games in the Northern Irish top flight last season, scored eight, got 14 assists, the most in the league last season. And he's very versatile. He often played off the striker, can play left back, can play left midfield, can play centre midfield. So I think he's a player who I don't think he would be overawed by the situation. And to be honest, I thought he did very well. And it was good to have a natural left footer in there because obviously when Garuccio and Mitchell haven't been available, we've generally had to tinker with things and put Mulroney deeper or play someone who's maybe not naturally left-footed on that side. But I thought he did well. And Hart started the game really well. They stretched the Hibs defence. They won a lot of set pieces. Ollie Lee hit the post. Arnold June really should have scored. So then in the 25th minute, when Peter Haring nodded in the opener from an Ollie Lee corner, it had been coming. I, th- I thought it was a deserved lead. I thought Hart started with a good tempo um, and they kind of took the game to Hibs. They did. Now, whether people agree with this or, or not, I don't know. It's, it's totally subjective. I thought Hearts played better against Hibs at the weekend and lost than they did at Easter Road when they won, uh, but I didn't think they played as well. However, I thought Hearts played well up to a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the fact that Hibs equalised so quickly was, was frustrating. The re- I mean... On another day, Hearts win that. And look, I'm not saying everything's rosy in the garden because it's not, because it takes more than one result. But Hibs games are not about playing well and coming away with nothing or getting a draw. Hibs games are about getting the result, no matter how you play. If you can play well and win, great. But these are the games that fans live for. These are the games when you get your fixture list coming out in June or July, June usually, that's the first ones I look for. When are we playing Hibs? Mm-hmm. Now, Robbie Nielsen um, is a friend of mine. So, I mean, he, he is someone who will be remembered as a, a, a Hearts manager who, who got the, the team out of the, the championship with by playing some great football. But he'll also be remembered as the manager who lost to Hibs in, in the Scottish Cup because it was him, wasn't it? Yes, well, exactly. so, so, as did Ian Cathro, but I guess the problem with the Robbie Nielsen one is what happened later what happened in the tournament. <laughs> yes, ultimately, if we'd won that, they couldn't have won the league, uh, the cup that year. So, 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 so Robbie, in some fans' eyes, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong because it's they're perfectly entitled to their opinion. Um, they'll probably not forgive Robbie for that. They'll forget all that he did before he moved down south. And they'll think, well, he was he was in charge and he had the chance to stop Hibs from winning the Cup that year. Because it's, it's one thing us having a go at Celtic and Rangers fans and their whataboutery and their obsession with each other. There's an element of that among the Hearts support as well. And Hearts fans, some, get just as much joy as, as Hibs not being successful and not winning the Cup as as their own team um, doing well. well. Again, fine. that that's, that's the way that they are. I've got no issue with that. So... That just proves the point that that Hibs games, for some, for all of us, they're extremely important, but for some, are the be-all and end-all. So they don't care. They don't want to hear, we missed chances. They don't want to hear, well, it should have been a penalty for a foul on Suter. Yes, it should have been. They don't want to hear that it was offside for their goal. Yeah, it should have been. But but, hey-ho, let's let's go back a a minute here. Let's talk about the, the Ollie Shaw goal that wasn't given. Let's talk about the Easter Road shot. I think by Lee Griffiths, it was like 400 miles over the line and wasn't given. So 
again, if you the, the whole blinkered attitude of oh yeah, it's a disgrace that it wasn't a penalty and and, and it wasn't a an offside. Both should have been given. They weren't. But we can't sit and, and kind of cherry pick history and forget about the attempt by Ollie Shaw at Tynecastle, which went over the line and, and wasn't given. And the same one at Easter Road that they had denied as well. So it's all about getting three points. When we are playing Hibernian, doesn't matter how we play. We played all right, but we didn't win. And we only played all right up into a point because after that, we were so predictable. Yeah, Hibs did level, as you mentioned, quite quickly. After it was like three minutes after Hearts had gone in front, um, the ball squeezed past two Hearts players from the flick on, and it did look marginally offside. I have to say, at the time, it happened very quickly. Couldn't really tell. I don't think it was an awful decision. I had to look at the replay a couple of times and kind of try and pause it. Um, really good play by McNulty, though, when he got through to cut it back to Horgan, who did well to finish, really, sliding in. Um the Suter penalty shout, to be honest, at the time, I wasn't sure. When you see the replay slow well, down... One, there's, one, there's... there's one replay that proves it. And you're right, you're, you're spot on about the offside and you're spot on about the Suter penalty as well. If it takes four replays and only one of them is conclusive, then you've got to give, you've got to give the, the official uh, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, when I first saw the game, I was like, oh, it just looked like he swiped for the ball and Suter kind of tumbled past him. But there is obviously more contact when you see it slowed down, but... Not not decisions that you'd be going crazy about saying that the referee has to get that you know, has to spot that. If the referee can't see it, then you can't give a penalty. Yeah, and, and and two things, Laurie. One, you slow anything down. Slow mo makes yeah. everything look far more obvious than it actually was. And secondly, um, uh, watching the BT Sport coverage again, apologies. Um, Ali McCoy said said at half time, no penalty. There was no contact. Now, I think there was contact, but everyone else, I think Michael Stewart um, and Daryl Curry, and even in commentary when they saw it again, it's, Sutton's, Sutton's weird as far as when, he's, when he says stuff because he's, he's all over the place. I like him. I, I honestly like him because he's, he's not frightened to, to give an opinion. He, he made a comment about Hearts should have had a penalty, not that one, but prior to that for a, a challenge um, inside the box by the Hibs. Was it Lewis Stevenson, I think it was? And he clearly won the ball. And there was a bit of a follow-through, and, and Sutton's like, that should be a penalty for the follow-through. And you're like, look, you, you, you're just not changing your mind. You've made an arse of it first time around. It's not a penalty, but you refuse to backtrack. He did backtrack, because at first he said for the Suter incident, it wasn't a penalty. Then he saw it again, and he said it was. Stephen Cragen thought it was in commentary. Uh, Michael Stewart thought it was at half-time, and Ali McCoy said no contact, which I think one replay showed that, that there was. But again, we're, we're nitpicking, and, and we went in at halftime 1-1 when we should have been ahead. They did far more with the ball with less of it than we did with far more of it. And I think that might be a reverse of what you'd said when we'd been at Easter Road, if, if I recall rightly. Um, but yeah, the second half, the goal came, well, I think, about 12 minutes in the second half, and to be fair to Hibbs, it was a really, really well-worked goal, really well-finished goal as well. It was a bit of quality that, and it obviously goes back to what you're saying about doing more with less of the ball. A bit of quality that we just really lacked in that yes. final third. It was so well worked, so well finished. I thought Daryl Horgan was excellent for them, actually, not just scoring two goals. but um, And this is where the problem is for me, is the fact that we had... Uh, we were on uh, balance of play, very unfortunate to be 2-1 behind. If you looked at it, you'd probably say, probably should have been ahead marginally. Certainly level would be maybe slightly flattering to him. So the fact they were 2-1 behind on the balance of play would, would you'd say would be 
unfair. But it's not a game of, of fairness in the no, whoever has of, the more whoever has more chances and more of the ball should ultimately get more goals and win the game. My issue here is at this point, I never really felt like we had a plan on how to get back into the game. It right. was kind of there was a lot of the the chaos factor of Uche. It was like let's get the ball up and hope something happens, and it, it it kind of became more and more desperate as we went on, and we just kept putting more players up there to the point where Stephen McLean came on, Aidan Keena came on, and by the end of the game, we had Ben up there as well. I think we had about five strikers on, um, well, five players playing as strikers, and it was just, it was almost just a sheer, if we fire the ball up that side of the park and we've got enough players up there, something will eventually fall, and to be fair, we made a couple of chances but it was purely from the fact that we had so many players up there that eventually the ball did fall to someone in decent positions and we squandered them. But I just didn't have any confidence that we've thought about, right, how are we now going to break this Hibs team down who have something to defend? A lot to get to here. Uh, let me start by a tweet that I put out shortly after full time. When plan A doesn't work, plan B would be nice. Hashtag too predictable. That tweet is... Basically, what you've just said. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Uh, now what? What are we, what we going to do? Oh, we'll just chuck everyone forward and it'll be fine. Yeah, well, with a plan. Uh, no, it doesn't matter. Just, just come on. If we have enough of the ball, then fine. Quality, and I, I, I think everything you've just said is excellent. Um, because it's, I think it should be the opinion of, of most, uh, of most Hearts fans. Um, I think Paul Heckingbottom is getting. It, He's like a fiddler. He's he's getting a tune <laughs> out of his his old fiddle. Um, he's improving his players. He's he's got them concise. He's got them cohesive. Um, he has he's got pace middle to front, and that's something else I want to talk about. I don't think with that with that four that we have, and it was great to see Michael Smith back, um, yeah. probably ahead of schedule. We only have Suter with pace in there. Burns isn't the tallest, and that's a concern. You're going to get a lot of effort from him. He's going to leave everything out there. But if I'm an opposition coach, I'm, I'm going to target a diagonal over the top of a guy who's five foot eight. Ben doesn't have pace. He reads the game very well. Suter's got pace. And Smith doesn't really have pace. And, and we, we struggled. Their first goal more than their second goal, the pace element of it, um, was something that we were unable to handle. And it came about in a bit of transition, but they... The, the, the second goal was good. I'll, I'll give them that. But after that, 56 minutes was when they, they they scored. So we've got more than half an hour. So let's let's look what was done. Kina for Smith. Smith played an hour. That's that's fair. I thought Sean Clare showed glimpses, and I I, I thought basically when when Kina came on for Smith, I thought by moving Clare to right back we lost something. I think we. Sean Clare's unpredictable, and we've had the discussion before about him without the ball, but I, I really, really like him when Hearts have got the ball. And the more we can get him involved when we have the ball, the better, because he does different things. He thinks a little bit outside the box. Yeah. It's a lot easier to do that, Laurie, when you're middle to front, as he was in the first half or the first hour prior to Kina coming on um, and Smith going off. So when he was moved to right back, he hardly saw any of the ball. And it's not his place to go and get more because you've got to you've you've got to stick to your four. You're you're playing as a right back in a four. That's your new position. Um, so you you've got to be able to kind of stick to that. Um, 
we waited another 17 minutes. Morrison, do you know what? He put a ball in and it flew behind. And I thought, I remember what Laurie said last week in the Reserve Cup final. And he was talking about him, about the crossing. It was just horrendous. Um, and, and Mulraney went off and Morrison came on. Uh, Keenan didn't have the biggest impact. Uh, and then Steve McLean for, for Doom. I mean, that was just a token substitution. Um, what else do we have on the bench? Whiten. Shognessy is not going to be brought on unless we needed them. Uh, Bozanic. Um, and it was it was just frustrating because we, we didn't have much um, nous. I think would be the perfect word to use mm-hmm. after after they scored, and in, in the Aberdeen game at halftime when we were a goal down, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I didn't see a way back, and and that proved we we said it after that game. Hopefully that was not an exception to the norm. Hopefully we, we can now find out if we do go behind that we can still turn it around, which we did that day, but. Even although we had chances, and, and Jim missed a sitter. He did. And, and that's, second that's one, another the thing. second one really was, I think the first one, it can be difficult when a corner comes down like that, I suppose. Um, I thought he should have still should have scored the first one, but I thought the second one was a, oh, real, the, the, a terrible yeah. one. I think he just needed the, to control the, that. Yeah, and, and again, I want, I want to take you back to something I was talking about. And it's it's maybe an ability as I, I use the term ability in the loosest possible sense as far as I'm concerned. But as a commentator, you you do have to see both sides of the story. Um, for, forget the, the the whole neutrality thing, which is expected. There was neutra- no neutrality when I'm watching Hearts against Hibs. I'm not commentating on the game. I'm a fan. I'm in my own house. I've got my heart stop on like a right full kit wanker. <laughs> um, but but that's that's what I that's what I do. I'm, I'm a massive fan like everyone else and. When, when I'm watching that, there, there is um, no neutrality to it. Uh, so I, I can see things, but I can also uh, appreciate that we can't be blinkered into saying, well, Jim had that chance and forget anything that Hibbs had because McNulty's missed a sitter with his head. Mm-hmm. The cross comes in and, yeah. and he's headed wide. It was similar to a chance he had playing for Scotland out in San Marino. And you think, nine times out of ten, you probably score that. So for as much as Jume had the chance, yes, he did, and we had a couple others as well, they had chances too. Now, you could argue against that and say, well, yeah, but Hearts were pushing forward um, and leaving space at the back. Yeah, well, then you've got to manage the game better. And as you said, there's no point in just going gung-ho and, and leaving yourself open at the back. It, it's one thing working on shape in training. And we've said this many times. We don't know what happens in, in, in training when the players are all together. But it looked to me... Like, they haven't worked much on shape when you're going to get a lot of the ball and you're in a, a, you're in a more advanced average position because you're chasing a game. Does that make sense? In that yeah. you're, you're behind. What are we going to do now that we're behind? Okay, let's work on... Right, let, here's the scenario, boys, in training. We're a goal down. There's 15 X minutes to go. What are we going to do? How are we going to play this? Your starting position is going to be more advanced uh, up the pitch. Um, what do we do with passing? Is it going to be quicker? What's the movement like? Blah, blah, blah. It just didn't look like any of the players had a plan. That plan comes from the top. There's, there's only some... I mean, Argentina at the World Cup, they didn't give a toss about their coach. They did it themselves. LeBron James for the Lakers doesn't give a, a toss about his coach. He does it himself. They go rogue, right? Hearts players didn't go rogue. Hearts players were hoping to find a way 
that they'd worked on, if they've gone behind, that they can get back into the game. Now, are we being overly harsh here? Because Hearts didn't play that badly compared to what they played with in Ibrox, for example. But I'll go back to what I said right at the start. This is Hibs. Rules go out the window. It's a must win or else. Yeah, that's the thing. It's on after the game. <laughs> I think what I said was that I expected us to play worse, but I thought we would win. I thought we played slightly better than I thought we would, but we got a worse result, which is a difficult one to take. And the thing is, as well, I think that result and performance in isolation is not a massive issue. It's always hard to lose no, the hips. Not at all. In amongst, not at all. in amongst the season of if we have very good results before it and we're doing well overall and there's not a massive problem as such, you accept that when you, you don't like it, but you think, well, it wasn't our day. Another day, we have those chances, we finish them, they win, we win 3-1, maybe even more. But I think the problem is the fact that we're playing badly a lot of weeks and we're not getting results a lot of weeks. That The fact that we played a little bit better but still lost, is it's very small comfort in the end, especially in an Edinburgh derby. In, in, the, in the broader scheme of things, 100%. We played better against Hibs than we did at Dundee. We ended up with a total of three points. Those three points came from Dundee because they were rubbish. Yes. We were slightly better than rubbish um, against Hibs. And, and this is this is where we take it on now because we've spoken about Rangers and we've spoken about Hibs. Now, I listened to the interview after the game with Craig Levine and Brian McLaughlin on, on Radio Scotland. Now, Brian's someone I know well from, from Pennycook um, and he... I thought asked good questions to, to Craig Levine. And there are those, not just at BBC Scotland, but all over the place that sometimes are frightened to ask the question everyone kind of wants the answer to, but very rarely do you get. And he, he, he basically asked Craig about his future and asked him about next season. And he got the sound bites. He, he got the sound bites that, that everyone was after. Here they are. I'll be here for a while yet said Craig Levine. Hearts boss tells BBC Sports Scotland or Sports Sound he's going nowhere. The next question that Brian asked uh, was not around the houses, but again, he got a good soundbite, which was along the lines of, I'll be in the dugout next season. I'm kind of, I'm going nowhere. Now we take this forward and we're in a position where most places it wouldn't be his decision, but at Hearts it is. So, I then finished the tweet with lots to discuss on the next Around the Funnel podcast. And here's where hopefully we'll be able to to, to get uh, a few of the, the comments. Now, there was a lot of responses to this. A lot of people retweeted it and put their own comments in. But this is what got me. I think of all the people who um, corresponded to that tweet, whether it was replying or retweeting with their own comment, I think, Laurie, 95% of them want Levine out. That's a high number. We were getting tweets about, I've been a season ticket holder for 30 years. There's six of us in our family. We all have tickets. I'm not renewing. I'm not sure I'm going to renew. There's a lot of that. Um, a lot of people are fed up with with what's going on at Tyne Castle right now. This is a concern. And I think one of the things here is, now, I understand Craig Levine can sometimes get on the defensive. I think things that fans take the wrong way, and I'm not saying I take it the wrong way, I think fans take the wrong way is maybe what they perceive as the attitude from him saying there that doesn't matter, this is, you know, I'm in charge, 
I'm not going anywhere, and it doesn't matter what happens, this is my post. Even if he'd come out and said, look, I don't want to go anywhere, at the moment I don't have plans to leave, but, you know, it could get taken out of my hands. I don't, even if it's just to show a little bit of um, just, you know, acceptance that sometimes things aren't acceptable. Look, the results aren't as good as I'd want them to be. I don't want, I, I'm not planning on quitting, but if, you know, just to, even to, just the suggestion, you know, to say, I'm going to be here for a while, just like anything, say, I want to be here for a while longer, but, you know, it's life as a football manager can be short and you don't know what's going to happen in the corner. Just something like that, but it, it's almost like I think some fans saw it as a kind of like, oh, he's basically saying, doesn't matter how shite we get, doesn't matter how many fans want him out, he's going to say, you know, fuck you, I'm mm. staying here. Which, and I don't think he necessarily meant that, but I think that's no, maybe no, how some I, fans I, I agree. take it. I agree, and there's a perception that it might come over as an arrogant comment. Just And it's easy to take words or a sentence from an interview mm-hmm. out of context. Um, if it's if it's said uh, and you don't have the full context or the full answer or, or whatever. So, yeah, I can understand why there's an element of of an arrogance uh, coming across there, which, again, it's all it's all down to perception. This, this is something that, that that's interesting. Just to take it forward a little bit, Laurie, um, I found myself on a, a Friday night when Laney's at work and I've got Ava Grace um, and I'm home from work. I, I enjoy watching a view from the terrace. Mm-hmm, yeah. on BBC Scotland. Uh, I think the boys are excellent. Obviously, a couple of them, uh, Craig and Joel, are jambos. And, and Craig Fowler said something which got me thinking, because it was in the back of, of me last week or two weeks ago, talking about what next for, for Craig Levine. And I think that uh, his position as, as like a youth czar um, would be perfect for him in developing the talent um, for the next manager. But how do you go from a manager to take a – it's basically a demotion. And, and and Craig came out with a comment, which kind of it made me think, and, and he was talking about there has to be a, a total clean break. If he leaves the football club or if he, he – sorry, if he is no longer manager, he then has to leave the football club because Hearts fans won't accept him in the background because it'll be like the whole BT sport coverage of Hearts up at Pataudry when Ian Cathro um, was in the dugout and John Daly and there was notes being passed down and all sorts and like some sort of covert operation. Um, and when Craig said, look, it has to be it has to be a clean break. It has to be something that if, if he's no longer manager, he's no longer at the football club. And, and that's interesting. I am not sure if there's a better person that can come in straight away as far as the youths are concerned. Craig knows every player by their first name from probably under 10s, maybe even under 9s, up the way. And he knows capabilities, who's good, what they can do, and he'll help improve them, like he's done at Dundee United and various other places as well. But here's the big question for you and for, for others as well. Is there a place for Craig Levine only doing that at hearts if he's no longer the manager. And here's another interesting thing, which um, I, well, I think is interesting. An interesting part of the whole thing is the fact that an excuse which comes up, I say an excuse, but a reason to not get rid of Craig Levine, and this is a reason which lots of football fans give in lots of different clubs, is, oh, but who are we going to replace him with? Let me know. Come on. And 
I heard people saying this before and after the game because I was in. I was at a little pre-match party beforehand, and then we were out afterwards in the pubs. And this is the thing, and it, it got my nerves to the point where I was had a few drinks. I was getting quite aggressive about my response and saying, "But look, and I'm not saying that I want you. I want us to sack him right now. But what I'm saying is that is a bad excuse because we are football fans. If you're a football club and you've got a position where you think the person doing the job isn't performing and you want to find someone else, it is the job of the football club to go right. Okay. Let's recruit. It's not. It's not Real Madrid or Man City or Man United or Juventus. It's not going to be a case of well, you're going to know the candidate because it's the top of the range. This is this is a middle of the road club in Europe. This is a, a club that would have to go and recruit. Who knew who Paulo Sergio was before we got him? It's a case of going out and saying right, let's put the let's put it out there. Get the applicants in. Let people give us their vision, their their experience, what they want to do with the club, what they think they can do. Let's get the best ones in. Let's talk to them. That's what you do. And a football club, I know it's I know it's different than an everyday job, but part of it's still the same, and part of it's still down to recruitment. You know, just because football fans don't automatically know someone who should be able to come in and do the job, that doesn't mean that you just forever accept mediocrity if that's what we've got. That, that 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 I've never understood that from people at a team like Hearts. I can understand it to a degree, as I say, at a top level club where you're not going to get a manager who you've never heard of usually because, well, you don't get someone obscure into a Real Madrid or a Bayern Munich or you or someone like that usually. But for Hearts, you're not necessarily going to know who a good potential boss is. Going to do a little bit of numerology with you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 I'm going to give you the number 2.25 million. Okay. Any idea what that could refer or relate to? 2.25 million. Yeah. Um, not off the top of my head. Yeah, I didn't expect that because it's something I've just made up. But I've made it up. <laughs> no, no, but I'm going to, I'm going to explain and, and all should become clear. 2.25 million pounds is made up of 5,000 Hearts fans deciding that they're not going to renew their £450 on average season ticket. Again, numbers plucked from the air, but alarming numbers. £2.25 million is made up of 5,000 of the around 14,000 season ticket holders right now, not renewing at approximately 450 quid. So give or take a quarter of a million or so, £2 million if it's 400 quid, whatever it is for a season ticket, depending on where you sit. That's a lot of money. Now, Anne Budge came in and said that she wasn't a football person. Now, I'm not saying she is now, but she knows a hell of a lot more than she did then. But she is a business person. She has developed a company, an IT company, which she sold for a fortune. She knows numbers. Numerology in her bedfellows. She would not want to lose a seven-figure sum. That seven-figure sum is not a million. That's about double that, two to two and a half on average. If 5,000 decide, that's a big number, okay? That's more than a third of Hearts fans. And I'm not saying don't because I want everybody to renew. But there's different circumstances in life, okay? Things are expensive these days. So you've got, you know what? We've got two season tickets. There's a grand or we've got to spend. We could be going on a holiday with that. Do we want more of the same? So the decision there, to cut a long story short, is if it's more of the same and potentially you're going to lose out on a seven-figure number, I think you have to act. So 
it's interesting to see or not see if there's information being drip fed out as to how many season tickets have already been sold because it's easy to find over the last few years hearts have been up 13 14,000 over that maybe there's come a time whereby people are saying and this is only based on the smallest smallest replies okay so we're we're, we're taking a straw poll of of a few a small handful and we're multiplying it by a big number but we're getting a lot of people saying they're not going to renew or thinking of not renewing. That's going to cost Hearts a lot of money. Is it money Hearts can afford to lose? Now, to take that further, getting rid of Craig Levine is what some people want. But keeping the system in place, the managerial setup in place, I don't think those, again, for want of a, a, another number, 5,000 Hearts fans that decide not to renew will suddenly rush to Tynecastle because Austin McPhee or John Daly or Liam Fox is taking over. So there's big decisions to make here. And as you said, quite rightly so. It's easy to say, well, we don't want Levine anymore. Well, who's next? There'll be a few. Look at Hibs. Hibs fans are like, wait, what, Paul who? He wasn't even their first choice, if you remember rightly. Yeah, he wasn't. And look what... Yeah, look look what he's done. So this is this is a big few months for that football club. And whether or not it all depends on what happens. Because make no mistake, and this is why I think we're going to get to this as well. For me, if Hearts lose to Inverness, Craig Levine's position becomes untenable. On to more lighter topics, for now anyway, before we talk about the semi-final, which we will... Not have much time to talk about, but that's maybe a good thing before it happens. Um, it was Mark's birthday on Sunday, 7th of April. Happy birthday, Mark. I won't ask you how old you are. Um, 42. <laughs> so um, I, I put it out there that um, obviously Mark's birthday, as you mentioned earlier, was ruined by hearts because we're football fans and <laughs> it's the be all and end all. So I asked um, about your birthday memories when it comes to hearts and was there... Did you have a great day out? Was there a birthday ruined by hearts? Was there a birthday that was made fantastic by hearts? So thank you for your feedback. Um, I'll go through some now. Simon said two years in a row he had five pounds on Prince Boabin to score the first weekend of his birthday. And two years in a row he scored first. Um, he says all thanks to Always Gorgie calling him shite in the pub before the game. Um, <laughs> your pal Whitburn Hearts says... Um, we beat Queen of the South 2-0 to win the championship on his birthday. Many happy returns, Mark Donaldson. Um, Gordon Reid says, Gorgie Sweet Hospitality for his 50th birthday celebration. Game chosen was 2010 against Aberdeen. Pre-match bookies form in hand. Four educated adults toasting my 50th birthday did not what for one second consider a 61 5-0, 5-0 scoreline on his 50th. As the song goes, regrets I've had a few. Yes, could have been a could have been a big winner for Gordon with that one. <laughs> London Hearts is just the best Hearts website um, for stats and and for dates. And I also want to mention as well the Hearts Museum have been really helpful um, with DMs to you and for your commentary and for us as well about things that have happened and stats ahead of certain games. So thank you to them too. Now the London Hearts website. Uh, you go into the statistics page, you can choose an on a particular date, and it'll tell you um, when you go into it how many times Hearts have played, if they've had more wins, 
um, fewer wins or um, the same as far as the total number of games is concerned. So um, if you would give me uh, a minute or so, maybe bear in mind the last time I said that, I think I took six minutes. Um, but Hearts have played on my birthday three, six, nine games since I was born. Obviously, I don't remember the first two because I wasn't uh, going to the games. So the Hearts have played seven times um, that I can kind of remember. Uh, we beat Motherwell 1-0 at Fir Park on the 7th of April, 92. Drew one all at Tannadice in 2001. Gary Wales equalising Stephen Thompson. Um, lost 2-0 at Ibrox. Billy Dodds with two. Drew one what this isn't looking good. Drew one one at Fur Park. There's a win. There's a win coming. Motherwell, there is. Michael Pospisil, um, in two thousand and seven, a one 0 win over Kilmarnock in front of seventeen thousand. Um, Alex Keddie's own goal giving us a two one win at Dunfermline in twenty twelve, and then last year we played on my birthday and Naismith mm-hmm. and uh, our wee pal Milinkovic with the goal. So yeah, it got better. But none of these, I would say, I, I remember maybe a couple of them, um, the, the further away ones that I was at. But there, there, you had a few, didn't you, from from fans who had big games on their birthday? Because these yeah. are just league games. Um, there's none. There were some good ones that we had. You, you also ruined my section I was coming up to because I did some trivia questions on your birthday to see how well you knew. Oh, right, pretend. You, let, let me but, guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I've got a question about Sorry. who scored who scored the winning goal against Motherwell in 92, and that doesn't matter. Was it um, Robbo? <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter because we didn't have much time anyway. I'll go through a few more that we've had. In. Okay. Uh, George Hobbs says, um, my birthday was Saturday. Enough said. Um, my favourite birthday was 74 semi-final against Dundee United. Despite drawing 1-1 and losing the replay, it was my first trip to Hamp, Hamp Dump, as he likes to call it, as many people do. It was Hamden then because it still had that aura of football's home. Never had the pleasure of going to original Hamden myself, unfortunately. Well, you didn't miss much. No, just as bad. Yeah, but... <sighs> Being picky, Hearts winning the cup in, in 98 was magnificent, mm-hmm. but it wasn't at Hamden. That's the only thing. So when, when And it's funny, we're talking about Hamden, because this is going to be your first trip to Hamden, isn't it? As a commentator. As a commentator, yeah. yes. As I was playing my first sober trip to Hamden, as you did maybe <laughs> put it By the way, but come full time, you might need to be pished. I uh, well, don't. <laughs> Anne Waddle says, happy birthday, Mark. My birthday yesterday, and most certainly did not... Uh, get a good result despite pleading with Christoph Berra beforehand. So that was Anne sending it on your birthday. So her birthday was the day before on the day we sadly lost to Hibs. One of one of my favourites in response to this, Laurie, was from Eva Grace or Eva Grace. Oh, uh, not yep, Eva Grace, yep, my daughter. Yep. And <laughs> this is brilliant. She said, I was born on the day Hearts won the cup against Rangers in 1998. My dad still hasn't forgiven me for missing the game of a lifetime. Her dad is Gary Halliday. He's a huge Hearts fan. Imagine that. You've, Gary's probably... Gary, by the looks of him, of him, wasn't alive the last time Hearts won the Cup in, in 56. So for the first trophy of his lifetime and Eva Grace comes along. Now, if she was early, if she was on time, but can you... I mean, it's it's a double celebration, 
your daughter's born and your team wins the cup. But I assume being a huge Hearts fan, he would have gone to most of the games to not get to the probably the biggest game of his life. Wow, I tell you that. I'm surprised Eva Grace wasn't drowned when the baby's head was wet later that night. <laughs> wow, there'd be so much beer. Billy Steedman says, Happy birthday, Mark. My 25th was the opening of the Gorgie stand. We Rob- Robo scored a diving-headed winner. Um, Carmen Carter had a good one. The Stamp Derby was my 20th birthday. Oh. I, I ended up about six rows forward of where I started when he <laughs> scored, as as did I in that game. Um, Andy Grant, April the 1st is my birthday. And usually that weekend, um, usually the weekend around that date is good results. Uh, Mickey Mouse Cup Party, one at Celtic Park and Aberdeen last week, uh, 2nd of April 2006. And of course, 22 in a row started on April the 1st. Um, Angela Ballantyne says, I decided not to go to Disneyland Paris for my 40th and instead drove north to watch Hearts play Peterhead in the League Cup in 2017. Oh my goodness. And uh, Peterhead is miserable enough uh, on the best of days, but on that evening we we of course lost to, <laughs> to peterhead and um, tyson says his 18th birthday was the 2-2 game at easter road it's not over till the fat striker scores and um, my 21st was the game in mallorca which is of course the infamous uh, the goals oh, aren't quite God. big enough game <laughs> i remember that by the way the uefa delegate was absolutely pished out of his head that night really um oh my oh there's stories to tell from that one a quick one. Um, I ended up in the Sun newspaper because that was uh, oh. second, the what second page? game. Well, it wasn't three. Um, I make a big enough tip myself every other time. <laughs> um, I used to work with a wonderful gentleman at Radio Force called David Johnson. And those of a certain era will remember, dial David Johnson on a Sunday morning on Max AM, um, which was like a radio equivalent of points of view. So came back from Mallorca. So the first trip was to Estonia and the kit, I shouted so loud when, was it Lee Makel scored against Lantana? Yes, 1-0. I, I, I blew the line up <laughs> and we missed the goal because I shouted so loud and it, it couldn't take it. So that, that was drama at the that first That can't game. be the only time that's happened. Well, it, t- technology's kind of improved since then. <laughs> I think it was, it was like, a, it was like a, a piece um, of equipment that I'd put together having watched Blue Peter and here's how to produce a radio... <laughs> Uh, commentary overseas paper mashing with pipe cleaners for, yeah exactly <laughs> so the second commentary european commentary that we did on radio four was mallorca now we got there early like you do we, we didn't get in because we were so early so i just went around the side and got in the side door and um it became clear that there were issues with with the goal and that there was a camber uh, in, in the goal mouth and that the, the middle of the goal was closer to the crossbar than either post so they were getting diggers and whatever, and the UEFA delegate was uh, offered whatever he was offered by them because there was something not right um, to let the game go ahead. And Chris Robinson was having none of it. He wanted a digger to dig it up. Anyway, they, they eventually got it sorted. So I got back, and David Johnson said, um, you're going to get a phone call from Alan Muir at the Sun. I said, what have I done? He goes, no, no, it's just about your Mallorca trip. I was like, well, nothing really happened apart from that. Is that about the whole goal thing? Oh, no, not at all. Um, so just answer yes to everything he says. I say, okay, fine. He says, and there's there's 40 quid in it for you too. I'm like, oh, that's very generous. Wow, thanks. Goodness knows how much he made out of it. So Alan Muir phoned and he said, hi, Mark, I believe you were in Mallorca. I said, yes. So that's what I was told to say because <laughs> no would have been a rubbish answer given the fact that just commentator of the game. Um, 
I, I believe you had one or two issues getting into the stadium. Uh, I was like, uh, yeah, I suppose so, because I went around to say. Um, uh, so I, I, I believe that um, you, you eventually uh, climbed over the wall on the main stand side. And I was like, what? I was like, uh, yes. And I believe there was like gun-toting cops that weren't happy with you and Alsatian dogs that were chasing you. I was like, what's going on here? Yes. <laughs> and I'm actually going to send you, Lloyd, I've still got the cutting from this, um, from, from the Sun newspaper. Uh, so it, it transcribed as um, hero young commentator or rookie rookie commentator Mark Donaldson um, escaped baton wielding cops and, and nippy Alsatian dogs and heroically got into the stadium. I was like, what a load of shite. I just went around <laughs> the side and got in a side door. But that was the... David obviously had told Alan, because I'd come back and said, oh, it took us a bit, a bit of time to get in because we had to go around the side. They just fabricated the whole story. So he probably got a couple hundred quid out of it. I got 40 quid. And the story is utter bullshit. But it ended up in the newspaper. Anyway, I digress. Where were we? Mallorca. <laughs> what a trip that was. Goodness me. I'm probably going to have time to go through everyone's birthday um, birthday stories. So uh, apologies for those who have sent them in and have not got to them again. Thanks for passing them on. I did quickly want to mention because... Um, my birthday's coming up next month. Um, oh! So, uh, and, oh. It, and interestingly, I did what you did. I went on to uh, London Hearts ah, okay. on my birthday. Any, any, any good ones? Well, this is, a, this is a random thing because I very rarely, and I'm because, because I'm sad, and you're probably similar, in my time, there's very few even players who've been a trialist at heart, so I wouldn't have at least, at least know the name. Right, um, give, give me the date first, and I'll see if I can come up with this. Um, well, listen, this is a player who played uh, in a game that took place on my birthday because my birthday is the 25th of may it generally doesn't have my <laughs> oh, that's late games. um and oh. I, i'm i'm lying to you this is actually not the game what i'm talking about is a player who was born on my birthday oh right so because the only game that hearts have played on your birthday since you were alive is the game i was Mark, at hearts won dundee was, nil yeah craig levine finished uh, clinched third place stefan mahai's last game nice cross Diving header by De Vries, 15th of the season. I remember it well. In fact, just to add, if Hearts win on Saturday, only the second ever competitive game on my birthday will take place for Hearts in the Scottish Cup final. Oh, are you Sa- kidding? No, I'm the not kidding. Cup final on your birthday. But um, there's a player born, so I got myself in a muddle here. There was a player born on my birthday, and I was like, who? Alice Urbanek? I don't remember him at all. I remember him. So, he, um, Ur- Urbanic. Urbanic. Yeah, but let's... Anyway. Why? Why did... He, he was a trialist that never got a deal, or did he get a short-term deal? Czech left-back, who was a trialist and played um, as a substitute in one pre-season game in Austria between Hearts and Slovakian slide side. Spartak Ternava. He came over for Andy Driver just before the hour mark. Never appeared again. Um, played in Czech Republic and Slovakia, and I've got um, him. Yeah, thirty-eight year old, twenty-fifth of May, left now. back, five foot eleven, ex Czech under twenty-one, Alex Urbanek. Do not recall him even being a trialist at Hearts at all. So that was just a bit of a random one because usually, you even when you see the trialists, you're like, oh, I forgot about them. If, if it was my time, I mean, obviously if it was years before, maybe not. But even and there was another player that game, Georgie. Papakadze, who who played, bless you, who um, who I also don't Just... remember. Papa what? 
Popakadza. It was a Georgian who who came on for Takis Fisas at the same time in the same match. Appears to also be left back. Still plays currently in Kazakhstan. Has 11 caps for Georgia and was on the bench when they beat Strachan Scotland 1-0. So my birthday is a bit more obscure for yours uh, when it comes to hearts. Unfortunately, oh, you've got you've, you've got better stories than me. I've got like seven league games that are dull as dishwater. One you game, hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah. in terms of games played, there's been one game. Was been one competitive game played in history on my birthday, and I was there, and we won. We won to nil. So if we beat Inverness, I am hoping that run will continue in the final. I've got homework this week because I got sick for not giving out homework. You did, yeah. And I've, I've, ju- I've just thought of this, um, this homework because it relates to a dilemma that I have. Okay. And the dilemma, the dilemma goes away if Inverness win this weekend. So hopefully the dilemma exists and Hearts win. Twenty fifth of May. It's not only Scottish Cup final day; it's also the last day of the Italian season. And my I've birthday. not missed a game. And mm. your birthday, happy birthday in advance. <laughs> but there's a game I need to commentate on. Okay. So, so if Hearts win, I, the only cup final I've ever missed for Hearts since I started supporting them was the St Mirren League Cup um, tie. Luck, lucky cup you. Yeah, exactly. So, my my dilemma is such that if it's Celtic and Hearts get through, there's probably an 85% chance we lose. There is that 15 percent chance like we did in the semi-final when BT scored that we win and that's why we go to games as Hearts fans so do I because I need to make my mind up pretty quick after this game if we win because I need to book flights and whatever do I come over if it's Celtic uh, if it's Aberdeen does that even change things the way that we're playing even though we beat them of late it goes away as I say for for uh, Saturday if we lose to Inverness but it's it's there afterwards so the homework for next week is the biggest dilemma that you've had when a Hearts game clashes with something else and prior to this dilemma the other one that I think back on was when I was 11 my girlfriend at the time I say girlfriend she was Dutch and she was at my primary school and we were kind of boyfriend girlfriend and um, I said that she could stick her 11th birthday up her arse or something similar because <laughs> Hearts were playing Hibs. So I went to that and we, funnily enough, split up soon after and whatever. Uh, so that was that was a dilemma, I remember. This is a dilemma forthcoming. So what has been the biggest dilemma that you have faced when Hearts have played but it has clashed with something else? That's your homework for next week. And you can get in touch and let us know uh, on Twitter at Around the Funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. So finally, we've not actually got much time, Mark, um, so we'll very briefly talk about the next game for Hearts, which is the biggest game of the season. It's Scottish Cup semi-final at Hamden against Inverness. Hearts' first Scottish Cup semi-final since... Craig Beatty scored and put Celtic out back in 2012 and Hearts went on to win it. Their first trip to Hamden since the only cup final you've missed against Mirren in 2013, which was rubbish. And um, Hearts' only ever previous Scottish Cup game against Inverness was the first ever meeting of the sides back in January 2002 under Craig Levine. It was their first home defeat in the Scottish Cup in 20 years 
as First Division Cali triumphed and progressed through. And do I even want to mention the last time we played Inverness in a semi-final? Because that, oh, don't, that don't, was don't. in 2014 and I gave you commentary duty. Yes. And Hearts lost to nine men Cali Thistle in the League Cup semi-final at Easter. When Bay. they had the ball in the corner flag with possession, yep. with with a minute to go of extra Stevenson. time. <laughs> Jesus. Anyway, um, I've not got a whole lot to say about this one. I have. Okay. But so I'm going to say I'm going to say it quickly, and I'm going to give you the team. Go. <laughs> Zlamal. Yes. Smith. Suter. Berra. Burns. Uh, Lee. Haring. Jum. Claire, Mulraney, Uchi, Ikpiezu. Same team. You destroyed our dreams against Hibs. You can bring <laughs> our dreams back to life and keep our cup dream alive. Give them another chance. You went and did that against Hibs. Wasn't the worst performance, but be more clinical. Get the job done. A second chance in life is what a lot of people deserve. Whether they deserve it after losing to Hibs, for this, it doesn't matter. That should be the team in a 4-3-2-1 formation to get the job done against Inverness. Okay. Are you expecting them to get the job done? Yes. But I expected them to be Hibs. But I, I, I don't know how they handle Uchi. I, I honestly don't know how they handle I thought McGregor and Hamlin handled him very well because um, I, I don't think others stepped up around him. But they're less experienced. They'll have never have dealt with someone like him before. <laughs> apart, apart from in July when he scored twice against them. Shut up. Don't <laughs> ruin the narrative. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, yeah, we beat them 5-0, didn't we? Yes. And, yeah, they played against them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. They will never since August have dealt with anybody <laughs> like him. July. That, that's true, isn't it? No, since August, they won't have dealt with anyone like him. That's okay. Because yeah. he played in July. Okay. okay. Uh, let's let's not overanalyze this. If Hearts play well, Hearts win. If Hearts okay. produce the performance they did for the first hour against Hibs, they win. If Hearts lose, it doesn't bear thinking about. Okay. But... Wait, one, one, one massive, one big, big question. Um, so we're on Wednesday um, this week before the semi-final, it'll be next Wednesday when we talk and broadcast this out again. If Hearts lose the semi-final this time next week, will Craig Levine still be Hearts manager? Yes, because there's no point in getting rid of him without a succession plan. So, uh, I think the writing would, would be on the wall, but I don't think you just you, you, you get rid of him because... Well, I'm just wondering if he would... If he would if, but I'm well, guessing yeah, what you said well, he no, would be the I mean, type to, to Yeah, to yeah I'm, I'm second guessing myself because you know what? what even if they didn't have a succession plan in place the, there's nothing to play for if Hearts lose so it doesn't really matter if it's just temporary coaches or whoever in charge just taking them through to the end of the season so you know what the more I think about that if they are to get rid of him after the, the cup tie against Inverness it doesn't really matter because if they're going to get rid of him anyway who cares about the last few games of the season? After the Hibs game, let's be honest, we're not going to finish third or fourth. Um, the only way we're going to get into the, uh, the the Europe, basically, is by winning the Cup. Because if we lose the Cup, I mean, Kilmarnock are going to get into Europe, which is highly likely. So it's going to be the top four. It's going to be Celtic, Rangers, Kilmarnock, Aberdeen. Um, so even if Celtic and, and Aberdeen meet in the final... Uh, and Kilmarnock don't finish in the top three, Kelly are, are going to get in um, because the fourth place is going to be for the Cup. So, 
you've got Hebs ahead of us, Aberdeen ahead of us, Kelly ahead of us. I, th- I think if if Levine um, is is given his jot, I don't think it'll happen. But if he is given his jotters, um, then I don't think it matters because we, we we don't need to make a decision there and then about the future. What do you think? You're probably right. I can't. I, I think his time will. I think the writing will be on the wall, as you say. If we, if we lose Tavares, whether by four days after the event that has actually happened is another thing altogether. But yeah, it's season defining. So a must-win game for Hearts. Yeah. Sorry. Can I, can I ask you one question? Yeah. And and for Hearts fans as well, if you were offered right now, this is this is a good one. I've just thought of this. This is this is good. Right. A or B. All right. Mm-hmm. It's two boxes. If you were offered Hearts winning the Scottish Cup right now and Craig Levine staying on, or Hearts not winning the Scottish Cup... Oh, come on. And what, I'm, hey, Don't shoot the messenger. Hearts not winning the Scottish Cup and Craig Levine going. Which one are you taking? You've got... If anyone says they would rather <laughs> not win the Cup just for Craig Levine to go, then that's that's stupid. That's just stupid. I, I, I agree. Of course. I bet, there are, I, I bet there are people out there that are like, nope, no cup. Levine's got to go. <laughs> a better question would have been, would you take getting to the cup final and Levine definitely staying or losing no, to because that No, because getting to the cup final is like getting knocked out in the third round if you don't win it. Who gives I a damn? Know, but that's what I mean. But that might be more interesting. Some people might have thought, well, even on a... No, point, this, is, this is a crucial question. That's rubbish. This is like... It's not a rubbish okay. question, because okay. I um. wonder, are there people out there that would choose option B? Are there people at their wit's end with Craig Levine who are fed up at watching this style of football that are like, don't want the Scottish Cup, want rid of them? I hope there's not. So and it, <laughs> give, give me the cup. <laughs> give me the cup all day long. Anybody out there that doesn't want the cup, but you get Levine going, let us know. That's your hot take. Come on! In over half a century, Hearts have won three <laughs> trophies, three Scottish Cups. That's all. That's all we've won. So what? Every fifteen to twenty years, we win a trophy on average, going by the last fifty, sixty years. And someone, if anyone says they don't want to win a trophy because they don't like the manager that much, that that's that's got to be nonsense. Come on! I, and I want him knighted. If we win the cup, I want him knighted. Okay, steady. I mean, I. I want. I take one in the cup. I don't. I don't want to go that far. Anyway, okay. Well, let us know if anyone, if anyone out there would forego a cup win just to Surely see Craig go, then let us know. You, I, I, do you think there's anyone there? There can't be. I would be is very it? surprised, but maybe there is. Um, wow. Anyway, by by this time next week, uh, hopefully Hearts are into the Scottish Cup final, and I'm just looking forward to celebrating my birthday by staring into a pint, wondering how the hell we managed to concede six to Celtic at Hamden or, or something. Um, <laughs> if, I gave you, if I gave you two points now this weekend, would you take it? <laughs> but, uh, uh, no. Uh, yeah. Robbo, I love you, but don't, don't you dare. Don't, don't even think about it, Robbo. Robbo. Come on, son. Come on. Big hearts man, Robbo. Right. Don't, don't be naughty. Go on, Robbo. Go on, go on, Craigie. See you next time. Bye.